What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is Muscle, and this is another Two Line Music Cuts Entertainment Report podcast. And ladies, I have a crazy special guest in the building for you tonight. Listen, this man here is a musician. He's an adult actor. He's co-owner of Royal Fetish Films. Listen, you know who we have in the building today? We have King Noir in the building today. What's going on, big boss? Peace, peace. What's going on, man? I'm great. Yourself? infuriated but yeah. you know focusing focusing that frustration and, and anger into making positive change in the world you know for sure 100 you know what let's just jump right into it what are you upset about what's infuriating you right now <sighs> the fact that we are still marching for basic human rights yeah all across the world i mean specifically um you know I'm, I'm here in america but you know i see what's going on up there in canada as well i see what's going on in australia i see what's going on in england i see what's going on with how black and brown people are treated all over the world bro yeah. like you know um it's infuriating but it's not any different than the frustration i've felt my entire life yeah you know, it's just like, it gets even more heightened when we're having these public conversations and you still see that there are people who literally and figuratively want to keep their their knee, their boot on your neck, man. Yeah, 100%. There's, there's people who still want to do that shit, nonstop. Yeah, I agree, 100%. And even speaking to you, when we get into your industry, the porn industry, I'm gonna specifically ask you about racism and stuff in there when we get there, but we're gonna get sure. here just now, all right? Let's start it off like this here. The name King Noor, how did you get your name? Uh, I got my name straight up through, uh, you know, like I just grew up in a neighborhood where we refer to each other like, yo, peace God, peace King, peace brother, like all of that, right? So when I started doing parties, I just mm -hmm. kept it at King. Like I was just like, that was my performance name. Like when I was like dancing at parties or doing like live sex shows and things like that. And then uh, the Noir part came because I started my own company and it was called Central Noir. And in French, when Noir is black and when mm -hmm. you put the E on it, you know, it's, that's for the feminine because my company was built to, to be sensual services for black women. You know, I looked around and I was just like, damn, there's nothing for women to do really in regards to like, if, if me and you go out, go hit the strip club, go to a massage yeah. parlor, things like that. People are like, yeah, that's, that's dude shit. Guys do that. But there wasn't really a lot of uh, activities and events that were specific catering to women like you look at a lot of the events for women it's always like very much the same shit that they have for guys they just switch it around <laughs> yeah so you know i asked a lot of women what kind of services or what kind of entertainment would you like specifically at parties that are designed for you and a lot of women i know that that they were like yeah i like strippers but i don't want to be sexually harassed when i go to a strip club like i want right. to be able to just watch you know a lot of times when you go to you know, if we go to strip club to watch women dance, you know, there's a separation. And if you want a lap dance, you pay for a lap dance. <laughs> At a lot of parties for women, it's like the guys just run up on the women and they just pick them up and throw them around. And some of those women, they're not interested in being picked up and thrown around, mm -hmm. you know? So we, with Sensual Noir, I wanted to design something that was like catering to women. So we made it a lot more sensual, a lot more romantic, uh, did erotic touch massages, all these things, right? So 
it, it kind of it did its thing like we it got popular so my name was king but people just used to start saying yo that's king from sensual noir and then that from sensual noir part got cut down to people like yo that's king noir right there yeah <laughs> you know so i was like what better way to 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 be known you know a king that that is here to please women you know what i'm saying a king that's here to to please black women you know who's better to treat a woman like a queen than a king you know yeah that makes total sense so it's like they basically crowned you they gave you the name and said listen this is your name and you ran with it pretty much yeah yeah it's always the best especially when they come up with the name for you then you know it really means something and they're really attached to it before you even got attached to it and you also got something to live up to yeah. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you don't live up to that name you go you're gonna get mm -hmm. dragged out <laughs> you might even get beat up and shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You got to make sure that you live up to that name. And it, and it, and for me, you know, living up to my name, it goes beyond just the sensual and sexual acts. You know, yeah. being, being a king and treating women like queens is something that is all-encompassing in life, you know? Makes sense. And I know right now when it comes to the... Um pornographic industry, your premium talent, especially when it comes to black talent right now. All right. How long have you been in the industry and how did you get in the industry in the first place? Ah, man, I, I've been involved in like every form of adult entertainment and sex work that you could possibly imagine. Okay. You know, from uh, I started off in the industry oof, man, going on 20 years now. You know, wow. when I was legally when I was legally able to be uh, in sex work, mm -hmm. you know, uh, in the adult industry is when I first got my first start. Um, I was kicked out of my house when I was 17 years old mm -hmm. and I had a home girl who knew that I was like, you know, I was hustling. I was just trying to make sure that I had place to stay. I was bouncing from place to place in and out of motels, all kinds of shit. You know, and she was like, yo, I got something. Uh, she was a dancer in Philly and they wanted her to be in a magazine. And she was like, you know, they want me to be in a magazine with this guy. I don't want any random dicks in my face. Yeah. You know, me and her messed around. So she was yeah. like, yo, you come do this. I know you're like, I've been an exhibitionist and a <laughs> freak and a kink, kinky person my entire life before I yeah. even knew the terminology for it. Yeah. So she was like, yo, come through and do this. And I was like, oh shit, like this money was good. I got to, you know, be watched and, and be sexual with someone I'm sexual with anyway. Mm -hmm. And it's a whole lot better than, you know, some of the other things I was doing at the time. Right. And I felt like I could use this and be positive with it. So that was my first experience. Then I started getting hired to do uh, BDSM and like cuckolding sessions and live sex shows and all this other kind of stuff. And then I left for a while Okay. Because I was working, uh, actually was working with kids in my neighborhood that was coming out of the youth house or had a court order community service. Mm -hmm. And the organization that I was working for at the time, they they not too keen on having you also do porn. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, for good reason. For good reason. Yeah. So, you know, um, I left the industry for a while and then my um, the funding for my program got cut. Okay. So I was like, I got I got rent to pay. And I had another friend and she used to sell sex toys. And she was like, we need a, a, a dancer for a party. So I was yeah. like, got you. <laughs> and that's actually, that's when I started doing the Central Noir parties. So that's how I got started back in it. And, yeah. you know, after that met Jasmine and ain't looked back since. All right, so let's go through some of these experiences, especially your first time on scene. 
especially as a guy, what was your first time on scene like? Was it what you expected? Was it a lot harder? What was it like? Well, for for the uh, photography, my first time doing anything in, mm -hmm. in sex work was was a photography shoot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had seen every everybody had their little porn mags back in the day. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, you see them, but you don't know how the production level and what it takes to make it look how it looks. Right. Yeah. So most of that shit is innuendo. So it's like if I'm eating a pussy or whatever, I'm like this close. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so like you're not actually eating it in the picture. You're looking yeah. like you're about to. And like that part of it was just super like, oh, really? Like I'm, I'm not even doing nothing right now. Uh, OK, you know what I'm saying? Like that part. But then when it came to my first time on film, mm -hmm. um, you know, the levels of having to get tested and everybody get tested and everybody go over their test and all this stuff like you don't know, especially back in the day, people didn't really discuss that in in the vanilla world out, out in public, you know. OK, so people didn't really know about it as much. So, you know, that aspect of it made me way more confident and and comfortable because i was like wait 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 we using condoms or no condoms or what and they were like no everybody's got to get tested recent test get this done yeah. you know so like that part of it was something i didn't know about and then my first time on set mm -hmm. i was so i was so excited i could not come okay. like so like right. they were at, at a, a certain point they were just like okay like <laughs> <laughs> we need you to do this now. Like you gotta, you gotta bust that nut or whatever. But I was just kind of like, yo, I'm trying to, I'm trying to put in like a record performance or something. I don't know what I was thinking, <laughs> but you know, it was, it was interesting because the first, the first scene scene that I ever shot, I was hired. This was in Jersey, so this wasn't even like Las Vegas, Miami, or or LA. Yeah. So really, this was just some guy who had a lot of money who wanted to put together a porn. Okay. So that shit is probably sitting in his basement right now, <laughs> never seeing the light of day, not knowing that he had a gold mine right here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and it was crazy because it was like, I thought the production level was dope. You know, mm -hmm. like he had like official shit, but I think one of the actresses in it was his wife. So I think this was kind of like just like their couple's fantasy. Like we got some some money to spend, so we gonna pay a bunch of hot people to have sex on camera and then fuck my wife or something. Yeah, crazy. And even we're we're gonna go down that road because there's so much that you're into and involved with that it's it's crazy, especially coming from a black perspective. Because I don't know how it is in America, but in Canada, black people are a lot more reserved sexually than Americans are, black Americans are. Mm. And that's something that we're definitely catching up with right now. You know, I think a lot of the terms are crazy. I think I think we are um, in a lot of in a lot of circumstances here here in America as well, mm -hmm. behind the uh, I guess the curve, so to speak, mm -hmm. in a in a lot of in a lot of senses, at least openly. Okay. You know, I know a lot of people that do a lot of freaky shit. But if you say that shit in public, they'd be like, I'm a Christian. I am not, or, you know, stock for Allah. I don't do that. You know what I mean? Like in so, yeah. in so many different ways, because, you know, I think part of that has to do with how we've been viewed. We've always been viewed as purely physical beings. Yeah. You know, um, you know, when they bought and sold us, they only used us for our physicality. They bred us. They did all of these things where it's been so important for us to establish the fact that we have 
a mind, that we have a soul, that we are human beings. And, you know, going back to the initial thing that I said when we got on 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 the, um, on the air, you know, so I think that there is a lot where we are afraid mm -hmm. to share either the carnal or the physical aspects of ourselves with um, with with right knowledge, knowing that all the other accomplishments that we have or whatever are going to get overlooked. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think that's part of it. And then also just the way that um, Christianity was indoctrinated mm -hmm. into us, you know, like it's it, the church is the cornerstone of our community. And, you know, it, it, there's that's a whole podcast in and of itself. Uh -huh. But I think that those kind of factors do weigh in on our openness in regards to sex or our openness in regards to just sexuality in general. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we definitely have that. But um, for me, you know, I, I grew up in the church as well. Okay. Uh, up until I was about 10 or 11 years old, I, I, I was like all church all the time. My grandmother was one of those people that was in church on days that ain't Sunday. <laughs> a Wednesday, <laughs> like, Wednesday night prayer <laughs> meeting. <laughs> word. Deacon yeah. services. All that extra stuff, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So, um, but around, around the age of, around the age of 10, like my, my world kind of got changed. Like how I looked at the world changed. Uh, a friend of mine's cousin was murdered by the police. And also okay. around, what's up? No, I said, okay. Um, and then also like around that time, uh, in my grandmother's neighborhood, like we, we were terrorized by the police. Like the police would fucking shine helicopter lights through our windows and, you know, like crazy shit like that. So like my worldview was pretty much like, yo, why is it like this for us and like this for someone else? And that kind of like led me to start reading and, and checking out other things. And then by the time I think I was 13, I read the autobiography of Malcolm X and I started studying Islam and started studying with five percenters and things like that. And I took my Shahada, uh, I think when I was about 15. Yeah. So, you know, I already started branching out into other things. So I think that that also at the same time, like, like I said, I've just, I've always been kinky. I've yeah. always been a kinky person. Um, like that's what attracted me to, to people and, and, and situations and relationships. And like, I was always like that one that was like back in the day, Oh shit, I got a Polaroid camera. You down to take pictures with me? <laughs> like while we do this and they be like, hell yeah. So we would do that. Or, I don't remember where I stole them from, but I stole yeah. a pair of handcuffs from somewhere and I was already rocking with handcuffs and yeah. spanking and all that shit. I was into that shit ever since I was young. Okay, so then how do you balance your sexuality with while being a Christian turned into Muslim? So then how does that, how do you balance that there? I mean, for, for a long time, I felt a lot of shame. Okay. I felt like, you know, something was wrong with me. And then also, you know, I studied with certain people who were like, sex is horrible. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, unless you're married and this, that, and yeah. the other. And then, you know, as you get older and you start to see like, wait, there's people that go out there that get married for a day to have sex and then they're not married no more. Yeah. Or the preacher is sleeping with someone from the choir while he's got a wife and while he's telling the rest of the congregation we ain't shit. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like you just see the hypocrisy 
in a lot of different things. And this isn't to say that faith is hypocritical. You know, people are hypocrites. For sure. You know, so for me, I just started getting to the place where I was just like, I'm going to live my truth. And that will um, be something that's between me and the creator. You know, I, I definitely fall more along the lines of, of Sufism than anything else. Uh, but I study Taoism. I, I definitely take a lot of the things that I learned from actual, uh, actually watching like my mother put her Christianity into practice or my grandmother put her Christianity into practice, less so than I'm taking from, you know, like blonde, blue-eyed Jesus, you know what I'm saying? Understand or actually, 100%. like I've read the Bible from front to back, so I know, I know okay. he's not blonde, blue-eyed, you know what I mean? But like actually just trying to find faith and, and realizing that the creator made me who I am for a reason, mm -hmm. how I am for a reason, and to live my life in a way that doesn't hurt other people, and in a way that's actually living the principles that I've studied. That makes that makes sense, sir. And I totally could understand your view also, where you say, listen, this is me, this is how I am. I have my faith, yes, but whatever I do, wherever I'm going, it's between me and the Creator. You guys like it or not, we'll worry about that later. But right now, this is the life that I'm living and I'm speaking to the big boss upstairs. Yeah, and I think it's it's like everybody, everybody falls short in some way. Yeah. And I don't particularly think this is the way that I fall short. You know, I, I think that it's also important now, you know, like I've been studying a lot in regards to my ancestors and, and how we lived before uh, the Western culture told us that our bodies were evil, that our bodies were wrong, that our bodies were ugly, you know? And the more I study in regards to Africa, and, and Africa is a huge place, you know, sure. I think that people forget that. And there were different views throughout the continent, through different civilizations and, and, and different, uh, different uh, kingdoms and, and all of that. Different nations had different views. But, you know, if you look back in time, the first sex toys ever were in Africa. You know, if you look at okay. the, uh, it's funny, I, I was in Curacao last year yeah. and there is a museum dedicated to the slave trade because even more slaves were brought, you know, to Brazil and well, what is now Brazil and, and that part of uh, South America than were even brought to North America. Mm -hmm. So they have this, this uh, museum that's dedicated to not only the transatlantic slave trade, but also cultures before the transatlantic slave trade in Africa. And they had all these like wooden dildos. <laughs> like they had this whole area that was just yeah. kind of like dedicated to fertility gods and goddesses, you know? So there's like statues that show, you know, women's breasts or, or the vagina or the womb or men's penises. And they just straight at, they had some straight up dildos. Yeah. Like it was just, just like dildos. that, <laughs> just there, you know what I'm saying? Wow. And it's like, you know, if you study ancient civilizations, like, you know, the people that inhabit what is today India, right? Those people were black as, as Africans, you For know, sure. and you look at things like the Kama Sutra and you look at the different texts that, that in regards to love, like the Upanishads and the Bhagavad Gita, or you look at just how it was in this uh in the nations that were here in north and south america as well and they didn't have the same shame around sex so you know there's many different ways to approach it and i think if we spend our lives feeling bad for natural things that come from our body 
we're gonna really, really tear ourselves down and live lives of shame and wanna be an assholes. Yeah. You're, you're right, and live a life of regret, especially if it's something mm -hmm. that you felt like you wanted to do and you couldn't really express it because you were either afraid, you were ashamed, or you're worried about what people are gonna think about you, which again, that has nothing to do with you. If it's in your heart, and this is what you feel, go ahead and do it. And that's yeah. basically how I see things. When you were growing up now, and you discover your sexuality, and you discovered, okay, I'm like this, how was it to maintain a relationship at that time there? Because remember, we're talking, we're living in a completely different world where there was no real internet. There might be porn <laughs> magazines, a porn VHS somewhere, but it wasn't as accessible as it is right now. So how was it for you to get into a relationship and exactly express this to your partners at that time? Well, I'll keep it a buck with you. My family, we didn't even get a computer in our house until yeah. I was kicked out of my house. <laughs> I was like, oh, now, now you stepped up to a computer. That's what's up. That's yeah. what's up. Um, yeah. Well, for me, I actually, I was really, really lucky in the sense that um, my girlfriend in high school, she grew up, she was raised Muslim. She was raised in the nation of Islam. Okay. And she was dealing with the same kind of uh, tug and pull within her own life that I was because she was uh, experimenting with women at the time. Got you. So, you know, she was having moments of like, I don't know if this is okay. I don't know if I'm right for this or whatever. And then deciding like, you know what, this is who I am and starting to try to go through her journey in her way as well. And, you know, like, as I say, I was kinky before I knew the word. I was polyamorous before I knew the word as well. So we're going to get into that, too. Come on, keep on. So, so like for, for her, she'd be like, you know, I really like this girl. I don't know what to do. I'd be like, go for it. Do you have, have a good time? Yeah. And then it led to her being like, hey, you want to hang out with us together? And then so we would all explore each other. Right. Yeah. And then I remember at a certain point people would be like, oh, he don't love you because he lets you do all these things and he don't get mad. Or they at first started to say kind of like, oh, but would he let you date guys? And I remember she had met a dude she was interested in. And I was like, Psh, better go ahead, do you? You know, and I was and I was the same. I was the same for me. Like if she, if she introduced me to a girl, she wouldn't mind if me and the, and the other girl like hung out and did our own thing too. So we had like this open relationship without having any title of it because we didn't know any of the terminology. Yeah. You know, and that was, we were in high school at the time. So I had that then. And then it's funny, as I got older, more and more people told me that being that way was wrong. You know okay. what I'm saying? Like, as, cause like I said, I was in, like, as soon as I got out of, when I was 18, I started getting into the sex industry. So I was like going to sex clubs and orgies and all kinds of stuff. And then I will also have, I guess, my friends that was in the vanilla world or whatever being like, yo, you wildin'. Yeah. Or you're never gonna meet a wife that way, or you're never gonna settle down or all these things just being negative about it. So I had gotten to the point when I, I was old, getting older, I was like, damn, I need to have a wife and have kids and all this stuff. So I got into a relationship where great woman, nothing, nothing wrong with her. Just, you know, I remember one day she asked me and she was just like, are you not with other women because I don't want you to be or because you don't want to be? 
And I was like, I mean, I love you. So I'm, I'm like that because I don't want to hurt you. Mm-hmm. And I know, I know you got to be honest with people, you know what I'm saying? Right. But I know that honesty did hurt her mm-hmm. and it kind of led to us breaking up. But, you know, monogamy for me is like being stuck. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that I need to just go out and fuck other people. I like to meet people, date, and have the possibility of love with other people. And being locked in just wasn't for me. But people tell you that's wrong, yeah. you know? So you just try to basically fall in line, do what everybody else is doing. Okay, let me try to see how it works. And then, again, you always felt in your heart, this doesn't feel right for me. This isn't yeah. working for me. And yeah, and by no like, means what? am I saying that other people need to do that for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I always say to people, it's it's what's right for you. Just be honest with whoever it is that you're with. As long as you're honest with them, you know, then, then it's okay. But once you're, like, dishonest, like, if someone comes into a relationship with me, like, yeah, yeah, I'm poly, I'm poly, I'm poly. But yeah. inside, they're hurting because they want to be in a monogamous relationship. Mm-hmm. That's not good for them. And I don't want that for them. I want whoever I'm with or not with to be happy and feel the love that they feel that they deserve in this world. Yeah, and that that makes sense. So then when did you actually find a name? It's called, what is the title called, Polyamorous? Polyamorous, yeah. Polyamorous. When did you discover that title and say, hey, you know what, this is who I am? Uh, I think I I first started hearing it kind of like after or during when I was in that relationship where I was like, I I was fully engaged. We were engaged to be married and, you know, I was, I was unhappy because she was very like, she was very jealous and jealousy is not a, a attractive trait to me. You know, she would say things in regards to like, even women I wasn't romantically interested or involved with, she'd be like, you're fucking her. Yeah. And at the time she and I were together, I wasn't even involved in the sex industry. Okay. You know, I was I was doing that other work, like working, working with the youth and stuff. But she knew that I had a history in the sex industry. So I felt like she wouldn't let me live that down. Like anytime I was with somebody and, you know, so I was just I like to read. I like to study up on things. And, and I was just kind of in a point where I was just studying up on like the history of human sexuality and things like that. And I started reading about polyamory, which literally just means many and love. Yeah. So it it doesn't particularly have to do with sex. A lot of people think about like, oh, it's just a sex thing, but it's it's a lot more than that. And I was like, oh wow, this kind of like describes how I felt this whole time. Yeah, makes sense. And when yeah. did you actually? So then now you discovered, okay, I'm poly. So the word is polyamory, and what would you be considered then? Uh, just a polyamorous person polyamorous that's uh, yeah. the person okay polyamorous okay you discover this you know this is who you are now so when did jet set and jasmine enter your life because at this time you already knew who you were yeah yeah after after i was in after i was out of that engagement i kind of was just going through a time where i was dating people i was actually in a three-way relationship for a while okay. uh got back into the industry was working at these parties and Jasmine interviewed me on a radio show called The Emotion Picture. Okay. Uh, I've known Jasmine's brother maybe like 15 years or something like that. But we, we, but we hadn't, had never met 
and we hadn't known each other and they they met each other and started doing this show as a way to get to know each other and they had me on the show and the show it was me and cinnamon love and we were talking about dating while being a sex worker or being in the porn industry and jasmine's first question to me was how do you not have aids yeah. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> That's like the first time we've ever spoken, right? And I was, wow. I was laughing because it's like, yo, any other time that I've been interviewed, because I get interviewed a lot for music yeah. and people would kind of tiptoe around the sex worker questions or around the questions that you know they really want to ask and Jasmine didn't tiptoe at all. Yeah. And I was like, I fuck with her. I like yeah. that. I like that she ain't tipped. And then she, right. she asked like all her questions, just like, let me know this shit right now. I need to know right yeah. now. You know what I'm saying? Right. And at the time she was also teaching, uh, well, she was doing classes. Mm-hmm. When saying this wrong way, she was doing parties where she taught women how to do pole dancing and, and things of that nature. Okay. And she was like, I think that we can, maybe do some work together because I was doing erotic touch massages and performing at parties. And she was like, Oh, I think we can make, do some work together. And she ain't been out my life since. Just like, and how long has that been? Both of us are horrible with dates and times. (laughs) Uh, It's been about like eight or nine years or something like that. Yeah. Okay. And I guess with that, no, after the interview, she basically knew who you were and stuff. And did you tell her right away what your lifestyle was outside of just porn, that you were polyamorous? Uh, I think when we, I think when we first, when, when we first spoke, um, we were really uh, just in line with business. Okay. And then just through conversation, uh, I was just like, you know, came out of this relationship, I'm poly, all of that. And then I think when we finally knew that we were interested in one another, mm-hmm. we had the conversation. I was just like, I don't ever want to be in a relationship where I feel trapped again. You know, I'm, I'm a polyamorous person. I'm not saying that, you know, I need to do X, Y, and Z, but telling me that I can't isn't going to work for me. Yeah. You know, and, and, and Jazz was at a point in her life where she was just like, well, I don't want no, nobody telling me what to do neither. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it it just lined up like puzzle pieces. Mm-hmm. It was the perfect the perfect storm. It's like you met her, you met you met her, she met you, and everything just came together right away. Yeah. And what was that first conversation like to actually tell her what you felt? Did you think she was gonna believe you, not believe you? What was that? What was going on in your mind? I honestly, I don't know exactly what was going through my mind, but I can tell you that I have had those kind of conversations with a lot of people before okay. um, from from just dating and things like that. Because I think before she and I met, I had been single for, I don't know, like maybe three, four years, okay. something like that. So um, definitely the way she received it was different than the way other people I had told before because you know usually you tell somebody that and you could tell they're like yeah yeah you like that with everybody else yeah. but you ain't gonna be like that with me you know what I'm saying <laughs> like I'm a, I, I could I'm tame a, I could tame the lion I could yeah, tame the lion exactly. don't worry and mm-hmm. and she didn't you know she her conversation her, was the same thing like I'm not trying to be told what to do I don't want anybody trying to limit my growth as an individual you know so I, I think that it just kept flowing 
She definitely didn't reply in a way that made me made me worried or we wouldn't be here today. Yeah. And it's been it's been a long time, especially eight, nine years. And I guess the terminology that outside people that don't understand what polyamory and polyamory is would be an open relationship. Well, not not particularly. Polyamory literally just means as a person that you uh, have the ability to love many people. Okay. And if you're pursuing it in a relationship, then it then it then it can be an open relationship, but it can also be closed. Some people are polyamorous and have their two partners and they're not interested in meeting other people. You know, an open relationship, you can still be in a in a relationship that is not polyamorous, whereas you're like, you know, we fuck other people together or we fuck other people separate. Mm-hmm. But we're not interested in building relationships with other people. We're not interested in falling in love or living in love with other people. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's kind of like where it, where there's the differentiation between them. All right, that makes sense. So then, okay, what type of relationship do you guys have then? I would say we have because Jasmine doesn't define herself as polyamorous. She defines okay. herself as a sexual opportunist, meaning that if the I opportunity is there <laughs> and it's popping. And she's with it and it happens. Um, I'm polyamorous and and we do consider ourselves to be in an open relationship, whereas I'm polyamorous and and she's a sexual opportunist. And she also likes it that, you know, I I like to bring her opportunities and stuff like that as well. You know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. I think in in that kind of sense, it it works. But I don't know. I I think we kind of have this relationship that isn't always well defined because neither of us is looking for a particular definition. Yeah. At the end of the day, and I think I told her this too, as long as it works for you guys, who cares if anybody else understands, if there's a title, if we know what it means, it doesn't matter because we're not in it, as long as you guys understand what it is. Mm -hmm. Because when I spoke to her too, I also, I guess you brought it up too, it seems like you guys almost like to hunt together. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> sometimes, yeah, for sure. Sometimes, and I, I mean, I think it's also kind of like building off what you said. Mm-hmm. We do explain to people who we are with yeah. what it is as well, you know, which is which is also very important because you don't want to just have somebody else kind of like uh, involved in your relationship or involved with you sexually, and you don't tell them, you know, if you're not honest with them, or at least let them know mm-hmm. so that they can make a. a educated decision on if they want to even continue or move forward with you you know i think that's very important and that works with all relationships whether it's monogamous polyamorous open swinger whatever like honesty is always the number one thing 100 percent agreed and this is the last thing i want to ask you before we get outside your relationship here when it comes to polyamory now and you say okay how do you know who is the how do you even say this now? Who's the main person? Like, okay, Jasmine, we'll just, for argument's sake, we'll say she's your wife, okay? Mm-hmm. And everybody else will, uh, again, for argument's sake, they're the side chicks, okay? How do you, with polyamory, how do you choose who the main person would be opposed to who the sides are? What's the different feelings or way of thinking about it? I think it's different for everybody. And also, like, for me, I don't like to say, for example, right now, I'm not dating anybody. You know what I'm saying? But I do have subs and we have very unique relationships as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so I and I wouldn't I wouldn't want to call any of them a side chick because it does ha- it does carry a certain connotation within For sure. within like 
society where it's like a side chick is something that's hidden is something that's you know uh usually like there's lies involved to a side chick you feel me for sure and you know jasmine knows my subs my subs know jasmine they speak that's what it is we share a sub together um in regards to like a, a main or whatever i think mm-hmm. people jasmine and i have a relationship that's been built over damn near a decade yeah you know so we're gonna have a certain connection that carries the weight of that time got you plus we got kids together mm-hmm. my my children come before anything For sure. you know so it's it's like uh not not just to say like it's a main person because you wouldn't want to say something to the effect of like i have to choose one of these people to survive or die <laughs> you know what i mean like i don't want to think about like like in those no. kind of things. but that, sure. but i mean that's not how you're saying it but that's how some people will come at it or whatever but you know jasmine is like the other side of my brain yeah and it's not even something i needed to choose it's just mm-hmm. that's what she is yeah. and anybody who does come into my life has to understand that they have to respect the fact that we have built many a thing together. Mm-hmm. And if they can't respect that, they ain't gonna be on the side, they ain't gonna be diagonal, they ain't gonna be nowhere. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think that I think that's the best way to put it. And you know what? It makes sense. And again, it really seems like it comes back down to a feeling and an understanding because again, a lot of the stuff we're discussing here doesn't necessarily have a word to describe it, but it's almost like te- tele- oh, what's the word? What am I trying to say here? Something oh, where I telepathic. Can look- yes, exactly. Yeah. Where I can look at you, you can look at me, and you know what's in my mind, I know what's in your mind, and we connected this way, and we synced up like this, so then guess what? This is why we get to you, and I get to live like this, because we connected this way here. Absolutely. Because, mm-hmm. okay, you brought up subs, doms, and all this. I need to hear from you. Exactly. <laughs> what are subs? What are doms? And how do they come up in your relationship? Or how do they actually work? What's their role? Well, uh, dominant, a dom is a dominant, sub is a submissive. Um, there are a lot of different ways that they could come, in, come up in, in relationships. Um, for me, I, I enjoy my dominant side in the sense that I pay attention to all the little particulars of my subs. And at times I like to add on to help them do better at other things. In other ways, I want to take control of their pleasure as a way to take them to new heights of pleasure. Um, Submissives can be many different things. They could be someone who wants to be of service. It could be someone who just wants to be sexually submissive in the bedroom, but outside of the bedroom, they're like, I'm a motherfucking power player. I only want this submission when I'm in the bedroom. You know, so it's a lot of times we, when we get titles and labels, you know, we think people have to fall into them in a certain kind of way, but yo, human beings, we're so, diverse in in our experience in our life and our desires and in all these things you know we might fall into one category sometimes and another category other times so like within my own personal relationships the there's a certain protocol 
for submissives and and how we interact. There's uh, a certain hierarchy in our experience, mm -hmm. and that is always a consensual thing. And it's always something that we're both doing for our own enjoyment and pleasure. Got you. That, that makes sense the way how you describe it also. Again, it's like we're all adults here. Everybody knows what they're doing. So it's like, you know what? Some way, somehow, you found me, I found you. You know your position. I know my position. Let's play it together. For sure. Yeah. That's big there. Okay. I mean, I, I like to think of it like a lot of times, like for me, uh, I'm an artist, you know, like, and, and my subs are willing to let me use them as a canvas. Yeah. Got you. Willing participants. Exactly. Understandable. There was two terms. Well, one term I discussed with Jasmine already, which was um, BDSM, which is mm -hmm. an umbrella term for multiple things. And there yes. was another term that you brought up, I think it's chuckhold or cuckold? Cuckold, yeah. Yeah. What is that? Cuckolding is, all right, so the original definition was really just a man whose wife sleeps with other men mm -hmm. and they know about it and people around the community know about it. It's a super old term, like it goes back to, I think I think it was a, an English term, right? Okay. But cuckolding in the, mo in the modern sense is, a cuckold is someone who actually gains enjoyment or pleasure from either watching or knowing that their wife sleeps with other men yeah. or other women in that case as well. Yeah. So, you know, uh, in the porn sense, it's a lot of times you see the guy and he's just sitting there and he's watching somebody with his wife. Yeah. Or That's, walks in on them by accident yeah. is like peeking through the <laughs> curtain or whatever, you know, but at the same time, it's not like he's in pain from it. Yeah. He actually finds some sort of pleasure in it because maybe he doesn't feel that he could pleasure his wife to the level of this other man or he just likes the idea of thinking of his wife as being a little slutty. You know, all the all those different kind of factors. Yeah, I guess there's a million different ways people would think about why they're doing and what they're doing. But that's actually a term. And I know with um, let's let's get into your career because we got into it a bit. Let's get into the real meat and potatoes right now. Sure. Have you ever shot a scene, a cuckold shot um, scene? Yes. Yeah. What was that like the first time you shot one? It was breezy because I did it in my real life a whole bunch of times <laughs> from when I was younger. Like, it's funny. Like, um, the first the first time I was ever hired for like a cuckold experience in real life, mm -hmm. I thought. Like, I was like, is this guy going to kill me or some shit? Like, why? <laughs> why is this happening? <laughs> this course. is a thing. Like, I didn't, I didn't yeah. really know it was a thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but like after a couple of times, I realized like, okay, everybody has their own uh, spin on it. Like, I remember one client, he just would be in the corner and just would watch. Another guy, he would want to be there holding his wife's hand. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's... It's so different for everybody. So it's kind of like uh, the first cuckolding scene that I shot, mm -hmm. I actually directed it. Okay. So it was it was super easy. You know, the 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 performers, I was like, this is what the what the theme is going to be. You know, what are you comfortable with? What are you not comfortable with? You know, where can we push the envelope a little bit? And I mean, it was it was super breezy. So I've I've shot I've shot a bunch of them now. Um, 
I don't know. It's it's like like I said, from from when I was a, a baby in this shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I was doing it, so and the more, it, it the comes more real easy. The more I speak to you, the more questions. Again, this is the exact same thing with happening when I'm speaking to Jazz. The more I speak, it's, is the more that comes to mind. <laughs> I'm an open book though, so you know, feel yeah. free. All right, 100%. Okay, you did the cock holding. What, I know you work with all type of f- performers, BBW, mm-hmm. black, white, whatever. What's your favorite type of performer to work with and why? Someone who loves what they're doing, who loves to fuck, who is super open, like they're there because they want to be there. You know, there's definitely people just like in any industry, there are people in porn who are just like, I knew I could make money doing this, so I do it, mm-hmm. but might not particularly like love the work itself. Yeah. Right. So I, I like people who enjoy the work, both the the creative aspects of sex and and the technical aspects of shooting it. You know, someone was like, you know what? We might be able to use the lighting in this way and it's going to pop in this way. And I'm going to yeah. hold my body this way. And then you yeah. could come this way. And I'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if I do it, like I love I love the um, the creativity. It's like it, it literally is like being in a studio and making a song. That's like a real like. I, I love it. You know what I'm saying? And even if there weren't cameras there, I look at sex as art. So adding in the other uh, visual element of it and, and working with people in, in that aspect, like people who love to do that shit, mm-hmm. those are my favorite performers. You know, I, I, all the other aspects of like, you know, height, weight, mm-hmm. all that other kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's those are just, part, those are, those are, those are particulars that I feel like, uh, you know, uh, companies need to chop up in the genres to sell it. It's like music. Like for me, I look at, at black music as black music. Like <laughs> our yeah, shit yeah, all yeah. got sold. You know what I'm saying? Like it might be hip hop because that shit happened at a certain time period, but they ain't saying nothing different in Fuck the Police than Louis Armstrong was singing back in the day. He just had to do it in a different way. Makes sense. You know what I mean? Makes sense. A typical, what's a typical day like on, on set? How long would you be there and stuff? All depends on if it's for another company or if I'm shooting it myself. Um, If it's something that- Let's go with the other company and then we'll get into yourself. With another company, um, like with like some, some companies, you know, you get there, real real early they're doing the makeup they they got everything you know set up uh meet usually the uh other performer for the first time unless it's somebody that i that i knew already so you know i'm i'm always the kind of person i'm gonna go introduce myself find out what uh their their nose are um what what they're interested in experiencing um within the within the framework of of our script find out what their safety word is um, and then just get out their way because you don't want to be in the way of nobody when they in makeup. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for me, usually during that time, I'm like writing songs and shit. Uh, on set, usually the first thing that they do, they start with pictures. Uh, so you kind of run through the whole scene in pictures. Okay. Which is also, I, I think it's good because in pictures, you know, the, the sound isn't on on the camera usually unless it's BTS stuff. So you're actually getting to know a little bit about your, your co-star. So, you know, is this painful? Is this position okay for you? You know, you like your hair pulled. You don't like your hair pulled. You went to spit because I'm into spit. All that important stuff, you know what I mean? Um, 
when it's when it's certain companies, you know, you'll have camera people, you'll have uh, makeup, and everybody's just kind of there, like while you're okay. working. And then after the um, after the pictures are taken, the 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 woman gets her makeup put back on, you know, put my clothes back on, then we start the scene over. And then after the scene is done, get paid, you go home. That sounds so right. Okay, and time-wise, about how long is a shoot? Uh, depending on depending on pictures, lighting, and how detailed it is, it can be from four to six hours. Four to six hours? Sometimes more. Yeah. And that, and what are you guys doing within those four to six hours? Uh, well, it's kind of like, let's say, let's say we have multiple uh, locations within the house. Like we go from the kitchen to the bedroom, okay. you know, they got to do all the lighting, then they got to move the lighting, you know, they might have to uh, change uh, lighting based on position. Like I said, so there's, there's a whole lot of hurry up and wait going yeah. on as well, <laughs> yeah. which, which I think like the, the patience of it for me is also something that I like because I do like edging. Okay. So, you know, like I'm, I'm all set like, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not coming yet. So I'm like, I'm chilling. Yeah. You know, it's like a, like an exercise in patience. It's a, a good way to control your body. Yeah. You know, I think it's, what's up? Cause that's what I was going to ask you. How do you keep that sexual energy for like four to six hours? I, I mean, for me, it's like, I'm always, I don't know. I think it's, it's just a, a energy that I have about me. And there's the artistic side. Like, I want to get this shit done. I want it to look dope. I want everybody to, to enjoy themselves when they watch it later on. Mm -hmm. But then there's also the aspect of like, I want my, my co-star to feel comfortable. I want her to be pleased. But, you know, within the framework that we have set up, for the shoot so it's kind of like you have to know when to just chill out be quiet relax take your time do something else that won't take you out of that zone but at least you know keep your mind occupied for a little while and i think that that's something that we have to do even in our home setting right like you might not have as many breaks while you're having sex but you don't have to rush to bust that nut you know what i'm saying you don't have to rush for your own pleasure, because it might take your partner longer to reach satisfaction or longer to reach climax. So you have to know like, okay, maybe just pounding on her for like 30 minutes isn't the move, you know what I'm saying? I, I need to I need to stop, I need to take time, you know, I'ma eat her pussy or I'ma massage her feet or whatever the case being, you know, whatever that y'all like to do in y'all intimate time together. And I feel like that's the same kind of thing because sometimes, you know, I'll be on set and it'd be someone I don't know. Mm -hmm. So while we are taking these breaks, it is a time or an opportunity to ask like, yo, what are you about? What are you into? What got you into this or whatever that then makes you actually have some sort of chemistry and closeness that comes out on film. Yeah, that makes sense. Even if it's just five, 10 minutes where we're getting to interact and understand what each other likes and we take it from there when it For came sure. to performers what's been your worst experience on set with a performer you want to open this one up worst experience i ever had on set was uh it was we, i was shooting for this company in uh iowa named private society i think that's the name okay. and we were shooting something like 
five scenes or in in like three days yeah it was me and three um female performers okay so i get done we had already shot something like two two scenes in a day mm -hmm. and one of the performers who was also on the same agency I was at the time, she's like, after we're done shooting, she's like, yo, like, come in my room, let's fuck some more. And I was like, well, I'm about to go uh, holler at my family because mm -hmm. I've been working all day, so I haven't had the opportunity to speak to my family. Mm -hmm. Go into the room, I get a text from her. She thinks she's texting our agent and the shit says, King is being an uppity nigger. Question to you is this, what color was your performer? She was Caucasian. Okay, continue. And so, now mind you, I'm in Des Moines, Iowa. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like if I just go outside mm -hmm. to take a walk, I don't, I don't know no Des Moines, Iowa. All I know is there's lots of white people, ain't no black people, and a whole lot of corn. That's all I know. <laughs> and you know, from there, I was just like, yo, I'm not working with her. We had already shot a scene together. I told I told the the my agency and I told the people from the company, like, y'all not coming out with that scene. She don't get to get no shine off of being with me. You know, and they they were trying to calm me down. They were trying to say, like, oh, you know, she didn't mean it like that, all this bullshit. And I'm like, no, she chose to say I was being an uppity nigga, which is what white people say when you're not doing exactly what they want you to do. And this is my body, this is my life, this is my livelihood, fuck that shit. Yeah, yeah. That so, you would think. So after going through all this shit, they tried to um, convince me to do it. I made them sign a paper that says that they would never release it. I still got that paper to this day. But the thing that happened was, this this tough thing to go through, but like so at the same time, my brother, rest in peace, at the time was having semi uh, a, a personal breakdown. Okay, and he calls me before I'm like I told them I right, I'll shoot this other scene with the last two performers, and then you know. We, we we pretty much had most of the scenes done by this point. Okay. I'm gonna shoot these last scenes and then I'm done. Like, don't talk to me, don't, whatever. Just let me stay where I'm staying and leave me the fuck alone. Yeah. So we're about to shoot this other scene. My brother calls me having a serious, serious crisis. Mm -hmm. I tell them I need to take a break to talk to my brother. When I come back in, the other, the other performers, they were all white. There's a other white uh, woman says to me something like, I don't really understand why you got mad when she called you a nigger. Aren't you Puerto Rican? <laughs> like literally, we're about to start fucking and she says this to me. <laughs> I was like, fuck it. I'm done. I can't do this. I need to get on a plane back to Jersey right now. So the director, the white guy or whatever, he starts like losing his shit mm -hmm. and like saying, you should do this, da 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 da. It's just fucking, you know, like completely overlooking what just happened and what had already just happened. And I was like, nah, I'm done. Yeah. So like, he cut, like, now mind you, I'm worried about my brother. I've been called a nigga. Now, 
they they trying to break up into what kind of nigger they think I am and all this other shit. And so like, I'm like, like this. And then he says, he's trying to assault me. <laughs> the, the director has his wife drive me back to where we're staying. Now, if I was so violent and all this other shit, why would you have your wife drive me back? I wasn't violent. I wasn't anything. He just used my anger. You know how it's done very often. You know, if we get angry at some racist shit, then all of a sudden we're the problem. We're the uh, aggressor. You know what I mean? And so I get back there. The other performer, not the one who asked if I was Puerto Rican or called me a nigga. There's a third one. The third one then shows up and she um, was on drugs. And like by the time she got back to where we were and she had her boyfriend with her and she's trying to yell at me for fucking up their money. Even though they still shot the scene with just the two of them. She starts trying to yell at me and being like, yo, you should just be quiet. And like trying to tell me how to deal with this shit. And it basically got to the point while they was like fucking up the space. And I was just like, look, I told the, her boyfriend, I was like, you're not saying anything, your lady is, but if she keep talking, I'm gonna fuck you up because I don't hit women. <laughs> Makes sense. So then they started same kind of thing. Like, it, yo, that shit was the worst experience I've ever had. <laughs> wow, it just sounds set. like a mess. Yo, it was it was crazy. And it's it's unfortunate because actually the uh, the performer who was on drugs, she actually passed away due to an overdose, um, okay. I think a year or so after that. Mm -hmm. And it really changed who I work with and how I work. You know, I shoot a lot more now only with our company, um, which we like, our set is very different than other sets. Okay. Um, not to say that other sets are, are bad. There are a lot of great companies out there, but on our set, you know, we usually have an extra person on set just there to make sure that everybody is comfortable, to make sure everyone is respected, whether it be in regards to sexism, racism, uh, phobias of different sort, uh, cultural sensitivity, all of these things, you know, when, when we put together our shoots, our shoots are also done organically within the sense that we know the performers ahead of time. Yeah. So we have, we have conversations ahead of time to make sure that everything is, is, is groovy. You know, like we, we definitely, um, from our own bad experiences on set, we try to make sure that people have the best experience yeah. on set. And you're talking about Royal Fetish Films right here, your production company, you and Jet yes. and Jasmine own together. All right. And how long now have you guys had the company? Uh, I think we've we've had we st we shot our first scene in 2014 or 15. Okay. So about five, six years. So about five years. Yeah. What do you guys bring different to the table that you guys don't really see out there right now? Well, first and foremost, we are a couple. We write, we write and come up with ideas together. Mm -hmm. uh, I edit the scenes, you know, uh, I write copy for the scenes, so it's not like we're shipping it out to somebody else to do it. Um, mm -hmm. Jasmine has a lot of great uh, directorial ideas. You know, there's, mm -hmm. there's not enough uh, women directing scenes. There's not enough women writing scenes in porn. Mm -hmm. um, it's completely created and cultivated by performers. Yeah. Um, 
so I think that aspect of it, you know, we come to it from the aspect of black is beautiful and we're going to show you black. You know what I'm saying? There's going to be all types of people in it, but we know how to like black people. <laughs> we know how we know uh, we have we have uh, coconut oil on set to make sure ain't nobody ashy. You know, all the <laughs> all the important shit. <laughs> yeah. Crazy, crazy, crazy. In your professional life, what are your hard no's? Something that you're not willing to do on scene? I don't sub and I don't get penetrated in any way. Yeah, yeah. That makes that makes 100% sense, you know what I mean? Yeah. Wow. And is that goes for royal fetish or that goes right across the board? Oh, that goes across the board. That's just, I mean, that's my, my personal no's anyway. Yeah. Like, there's nothing I, there's nothing that I do off camera that I really wouldn't do on camera. I'm I'm really, really open and, and comfortable with all the shit I enjoy. Yeah. All right. We got we got a few more minutes here. I just want to talk to you about your master fetish training, all right? Because I yeah. know you're a master fetish trainer. Exactly <laughs> what is a master fetish trainer? A master fetish trainer is someone who helps people uh, identify, discover, um, and live their fetishes in a positive, safe, and orgasmic way. Mm -hmm. You know, so there are a lot of a lot of people. They have a um, limited scope on what a fetish is. A lot of people, when they think fetish, they think foot fetish or they think yeah. leather. You know, a fetish <laughs> yeah. is literally anything that turns you on sexually that is not directly related to procreation. Got you. so you know. You you ass man, your breast man. Mm -hmm. That's a fetish. Interchangeable, you know. I mean, interchangeable, okay. depending on the person. But I mean, like either one, that's a fetish. You know what I'm saying? So like, you're turned on by something that is just not making a baby, yeah. right? So think of all the things that just turn you on, yeah. and then think of all the things that turn the people you turn on on and so on and so forth. It's like infinite. <laughs> yeah. So it's like trying to help people find ways to not only discover what their personal fetishes are, but then mm -hmm. also to be confident with it or um, not attach it to shame or how to bring it to their partner. Like, hey, I'm into this. How can we engage in this together? Or as a single person, how can you engage in your fetish in a way that, you know, is healthy for you as a single person? Like all these different ways. So we help people in that sense. We help people get connected to their fetish, experience their fetish in a safe way. So it's like, let's say your fetish, you're like, yo, I am really, really into flogging, right? You can't just let anybody flog you. If they don't know what they're doing, you could get seriously injured. Yeah. So that's where Jasmine and I come in. You know, we can, we can set up a session for you in a tutorial way or an experiential way for you to engage in your fetish with someone that you know is safe, someone that knows how to respect you, how to take care of you and get you on your way. Yeah, makes sense. I like how you just put it in a nice, neat box and presented it, say, this is what it is. Cause again, you hear master fetish trainer, you have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> what is, what is that? You know what I mean? It's so, it's so crazy. There was another question that just came to mind as we were speaking, family wise now, your family and her family. How do they view you guys? Do you get along with her family? Does her family get along with you? Or that's something you guys basically keep to the oh, side? We, 
we get along with each other's families great yeah yeah um i think uh Jasmine has a huge family. Like Jasmine's family is huge. I feel like there's at least like 300 people in her family. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like her wow. family is, yeah. is huge. And my family is not, you know what I'm saying? My, mm-hmm. my, my blood family really is like me and my mom's. Okay. You know, I got a lot of brothers that's like not by blood, but by life. You know what I'm saying? And they all love her. They all think that she's the best thing that ever happened to me. And, yeah. they, and, and, she lets me know that too. Yeah. <laughs> so I agree with them, what they said. Yeah. 100%. All right. <laughs> all right. When it comes to a woman, all right, what's your biggest turn off or turn on sexually? My biggest turn on is confidence. I love I love a confident woman, regardless of like dom, sub, switch, anything, whatever it is, if she's just confident in who she is and, mm-hmm. and like, this is me, accept it. Like that shit is an incredible turn off for me. Um, mm-hmm. My biggest turn off is the opposite because you don't know who you're dealing with when they're not confident in themselves. And that, that goes for anybody really. But like when someone isn't confident in who they are, they're not, they're not giving you all of who they are. They're like being reserved or, you know, tiptoeing around around things and I ain't got no time for that. Yeah, true. And you being in an adult industry that you've been in for almost 20 years, how have you seen it change? Has it changed for the good, better in between? What's the differences that you find over the time? Uh, I think it's changed for the better in regards to technology. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of made it so that content creators and, and all different, in all different levels, whether it's porn, whether it's camming, you know, uh, whether it's, it's sex work in in the sense of, you know, coming to meet people, you know, we're in control of it ourselves now. You don't have to particularly go through a conglomerate or, or, or somebody else. You can handle everything on your own if you want to. And, and I think that that's great. Um, hopefully, because of all this going on now, we'll start to see some changes in regards to racism and porn. Okay. Uh, I think let's that talk, that's let's talk that's about definitely something important. So in, in porn, uh, in the in the porn film aspect of the industry, uh, shit is wild racist. <laughs> like, um, like yeah, there's no other way to put it. I mean, there's there's starting to be some changes. Like, uh, white women used to charge more money to sleep with black men. What? And this would be regardless of penis size. Like, it could yeah. be me and a white guy whose dicks are exactly the same size, they're gonna yeah. charge more to work with me because of the racist ideology that once a white woman sleeps with a black man, she's ruined. You know, you have companies like Blacked, where yeah. actually that's the title of their, of their, uh, the title of their company is basically saying, these white women are gonna sleep with these black guys and become Blacked, kind of like the scarlet letter right um you have companies like dog fart that have a site called we fuck black girls as if that's you know uh, something is strange about that for white yeah. people right yeah um they they also have been known to put confederate flags on black women um after they've had sex with them or uh there's a there's a site that's put out by bang Bros called yeah. black patrol which I think is like the most disgusting shit ever. It's basically two white women as cops who harass and basically rape black men. Because, you know, if you, if you think about it, um, what they call it is, uh, 
oh man, there's a specific term for it when when a, when you're in police custody in a lot of states in, in in America, you know, there's a custodial quote unquote custodial consent. Okay. So that a police officer can't get charged with rape of somebody. So like that's basically what these scenes are. It's like these two white women and they arrest black men and then be like, well, if you want to get out of it, you know, you gotta fuck out. Or they'll have them handcuffed and do shit to them. And that's completely fucking disgusting. We actually started a petition to get that site removed. Um, you can go on my Twitter and and sign the petition. It's got to go, mm -hmm. especially since, you know, these companies want to release uh, statements about how they're not racist, yet they put out racist statements. To me, I don't care what you say. What you yeah. do is what matters. And if your actions show that you're racist, then you're fucking racist. Wow. I didn't know the industry was really that ravaged with racism. I mean, really, if any other industry was operated the way the porn industry is operated, mm -hmm. it would have probably come under some kind of federal investigation or or uh, some kind of federal guidelines set for it. Because you could literally be one of these companies and be like, I'm not shooting any black people today. I'm not shooting any Asians today or I'm not working with any Latinos today. You could say that shit. You can't say that shit if, <laughs> no. if you are in any no. other business. You if you have McDonald's, you're like, I ain't serving burgers to blacks yeah. today. <laughs> they will shut that shit down. <laughs> wow. And that's what really happened. Well, I guess because the sex industry, it's uh, everybody knows about it, but it's also a semi-underground industry also. Yeah. So then that's it's why the, mm -hmm, the rules it's that are covered. There's shame attached to it for the consumer and, and for uh, some creators. So like for the, like, uh, for example, there's this, um, company called many vids mm -hmm. um and many vids gave an award to this white lady who actually um she would do uh wear a black lives matter shirt and call people the, the n-word and this is in her own content created like she's not a major company this is just some random bro doing this shit and she had videos of her dressed up like a muslim woman and she had a quran in her videos and where it's like you know what people do sexually is their business but you should not disrespect other people that's that's not okay you know or use them to try and sell your shit like that's just fucked up and racism xenophobia sexism all these things are just wrong period you know, so whether you're using it for porn or you're just a fucking racist, like you shouldn't have a platform. Yeah. No, that's that's wild. And there was something, a discussion that me and my wife was having this week. It's super random. She asked me, why is pornography legal, but prostitution isn't? You understand? That's a good question. You being in the industry, could you give us some insight to that? Uh, they... The way I've heard it explained is because there is in some way regulation, they feel like with people signing forms like the the consensual agreements, um, the fact that porn can be taxed, you know, uh, if you're getting a, a, a check from a company, then you're getting taxed on that check. Um, I think that's one thing that has to do with uh, also men are in control of the porn industry and in a lot of cases the men that are in control of the porn industry do not give a fuck about women don't like women they might have sex with women but they hate women 
Okay. And a lot of those people have big bucks and they lobby with uh, their state and federal government to make sure that, that it's it's legal in some sense. But in regards to actual prostitution, once you remove pimps and shit like that, that actually means that women are in control of their own bodies, of their own business. So those same people don't want that. You know, when you look at countries where prostitution is legal, there's a whole lot less of uh, worry when it comes to disease, when it comes to violence, when it comes to uh, kidnapping, when it comes to rape in in the within the sex industry yeah you know um because there is like uh if somebody knows that they do if they do something to to one of the providers uh there's going to be repercussions in america when people attack uh uh, sex providers here they feel that they're going to be you know shielded because they could say well that shit is illegal you know what i'm saying yeah. So I think it, I think it definitely has to do with control over women, and it has to do with kind of like, you know, America just it's hatred for women and people of color and, and so on and so forth just runs down so the line. Crazy! You know? Wow. This is this is the last question I have for you here, but it's like a two in one. Okay. Sure. What's your biggest regret during your whole tenure in the industry, and what mm-hmm. is the biggest misconception about king also Ooh, um i think my biggest regret in the industry is when i when i first started before my second run when i first started with my first run was not um not going as hard with it as i could have but okay. i can't i can't say it's a full regret because at the same right. time that's when my music shit was kind of taken off mm-hmm. so i kind of I didn't think it was possible to do both and people told me I couldn't and listening to people tell me I couldn't do both kind of made me just like, you know, music is my first love. So I I went with music, but I feel like I could have done both sooner. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, like all the decisions I've made and all the experiences I've had, I can't really say they're regrets because Mm -hmm. I got to experience things in a whole different light. And now it's like doing it all over, you know, it's brand new almost, you know? Um, And I guess the biggest misconception about me specifically, that's, that's a tough one. Um, I think people think I'm, I'm, I guess, confrontational, (laughs) (laughs) Okay, (laughs) but um, you know, when there's, when there's injustice, um, when there's somebody trying to bully somebody, when there's somebody talking bad about my people, when there's somebody talking down to women, when it's like, I'm going to say something, For sure. I'm, I'm not afraid to say something. Um, you know, I love what I do. I, I love my career and all these things, but you know, um, what I love even more that is even more than that is freedom, justice, and equality. And that goes for all people, like mm-hmm. regardless of, of, of race, of sex, of orientation, religion, whatever. I think that all people deserve equality. All people deserve freedom and all people deserve justice. Yeah. Makes, makes sense. King, I have another 30 gazillion questions in my mind. But again, this is over an hour. And I think, again, we're going to connect again, because this is kind of our first full time. 
and we did a little piece last time we did the um, Instagram live. But there's so many questions, but what you've discussed and what you spoke about throughout is amazing because again, you usually don't get to hear from people in the industry from a male perspective. It's usually from a female perspective. How did you get in? What are you doing there? And all those stuff there. But from a male perspective, it's totally different. And usually they say, porn is generally, it's, a, it's about the woman. It's not about the man. So then now, if you are a premium talent, clearly it's about you also. Yeah, but I mean, I think it's also like, and and I and I like uh, your interview style. And, and like Thank I you. said, I listened to the whole interview with Jasmine. You. you ask questions of her that most people do not ask of her. And she's such a brilliant woman that there, and there, and there are a lot of uh, women in our industry that are brilliant. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's crazy. Like when a woman gets on, people ask them, you know, the same recycled questions and they do the same with male talent too. They be like, mm -hmm. same old question all the time. Like, what's it like to have your dick? Like, yeah. I, I don't know how it is to have other dicks. <laughs> I grew up with it. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, yeah. I appreciate, I appreciate you actually um, getting deeper Mm -hmm. uh, no pun intended with the yeah. uh, porn stars and and yeah. and allowing us to really share what what's going on in our lives and in the world and and in our industry man so thanks for having me and i'm always down to come back thank you brother you're not me before i get you out of here tell them where they could check out some of your stuff whatever you have going on coming up and all that good stuff there Yes, definitely go to royalfetishxxx.com, uh, kingnoirxxx.com, um, at King Noir on uh, OnlyFans, on Twitter, at The Real King Noir on Instagram. One quick second. I got one all the shit, <laughs> One quick. Exactly, because I've seen this pop up a lot lately, especially since we're, we were um, hit the pandemic. Exactly what is OnlyFans? OnlyFans is like Instagram if Instagram didn't flag us for, well, didn't flag me for pulling my dick out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I recently had an Instagram shut down that I didn't pull my dick out on. It was yeah. like 60,000 followers or something yeah. like that. And they shut it down because uh, I have my dildo for sale on it but other people sell dildos on instagram they were yeah. shutting down all the sex workers instagram so come on over to OnlyFans. some are free some are paid um but also check out kingnoirxxx.com it's my own website you can you can come and enjoy me there but uh we got a whole lot of new scenes dropping i actually have some new music coming out real soon i have a want to talk about a that song that is completely uh dedicated to me and jazz's special relationship it's called hustle matrimony it's probably gonna hit uh i'm hoping it's it's it's, it's gonna hit this summer okay. uh, i don't have an exact date for it yet but it's it's all mixed and ready to go so once i get the artwork back so hustle matrimony, do don't forget it let's do this you see this one was more about the adult industry when the song is ready and it's ready to drop let's do another interview that's strictly on your musical career i know you've traveled the I'm globe you've been to africa you've been around musically and you even have a yes, name so let's do that for the second time we connect all right i'm with it and check out uh my my first uh project under the name king noir called the royal fetish experience on all uh platforms where you get music Definitely. thank you very much man King, thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is Muscle, and this has been another Two Line Music Huts Entertainment Report podcast, and we are out. This podcast is brought to you by www.twolinedmusichut.com. <laughs>